Wall Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Kozlowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Let's start today's episode with a little hypothetical. Let's say you wanted to create a standardized rate of how much milk your friends drink. So you start going around every day and asking them, how many glasses of milk did you drink today? They respond honestly, and you find out that your average friend drinks three glasses of milk a day. That's way too much milk. Yeah. Your friends catch wind of this. They know that the amount of milk they drink is weird. That's like half a gallon. Their intestines are all kinds of destroyed. They don't want to drink less milk, though, but they want to hide their dairy dismay, their lactose languish, their milk malaise. So instead, they all meet in secret and collude to report a lower number of glasses of milk per day, lest their peers start calling them Little Utter Boy. Drink the milk, Little Utter Boy. Now, that's obviously a ridiculous scenario. I was just going to say, this is very silly. And that's not the best way to gauge milk intake of your friends. Because, like my dad, when he said he loved me, they oh, could be lying. <laughs> but imagine, if we don't have time to be said, we got to keep podcasting. But imagine if we use this same principle to set something, I don't know, much more important, like mm, the underlying interest rate on almost every single loan in the world. That would be an equally stupid idea. And today, we learn about the fallout of just that as we discussed LIBOR and the scheme that lasted more than a decade and defrauded millions of people all around the world. My brother used to drink like two to three gallons of milk a week. That's a lot of milk. (laughs) We were constantly going to Rite Aid and getting milk. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Was he fat? No. That's impressive. No, he just drank a lot of milk. God damn, you could probably like throw him off a building and he wouldn't break. No, he probably wouldn't. His bones are just dense as It's so fuck, gross. Bro. Uh, you would take an entire pint glass and fill it up and just like chug it. I, d- I definitely used to do that in like, uh, high school. so gross. And then in college, I was like, why do I drink so much milk? And I stopped <laughs> drinking it. And now like the thought of like drinking milk just makes me kind of icky. Oh, I also want to make an announcement today. I will be playing a drinking game because this is a hard subject. Oof. And so uh, every time Kashan says the word bank, I will be t- taking a drink of my peach high noon. Yeah, this is a... <laughs> it's this, a difficult episode. This is the most complicated topic that we have ever talked about on so, White Collars Red Hands. So if you are not driving or not anywhere where you, you know, if you have the ability to drink alcohol, play along with me. Yeah, uh, because this might make more sense if you're drunk because it's very complicated. I'm not going to get drunk because these are only 4.5%. Eh, you know what? Maybe I will. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I did only have not very, I didn't have very much food today, so. You got to eat more. I know. I'm I'm worried about you. Now. Oh, whatever. So, LIBOR. 
and that weird milk analogy that I put in, I can already see confusion on your face, Nina. Oh, God. So what is LIBOR? I don't know. Tell me, please. <laughs> it sounds boring. And surprise, it is LIBOR is an acronym that stands for the London Interbank Offered Rate. And it is the rate that... Banks that operate in London, but also around the globe, it's the rate that they give each other loans. Fun, right? I mean, it sounds like something that needs to exist. So why does it matter? We're going to find out. Uh, It started, though, in the 1970s as more and more banks started conducting uh, international transactions. Uh, The British Bankers Association, or the BBA in London, decided that there was going to be a need for a universal standard in interest rates for many different loans and transactions. Is BBA also like BBC, where there's a fun little porn acronym for it? It's probably Big Black Ass. I don't know. Yeah. Or Big Beautiful Ass. You know what could be? There was a girl I worked with at Cracker Barrel. Her oh, Instagram no. handle is BBW Goddess. <laughs> Good for her. Okay, anyway. Sorry. Good for her body positivity. Good for her. She was fucking wild, but anyway. Mm. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, okay. Never mind. So, I'll tell you about it later. So the BBA, not the BBWs, uh, then sought to develop LIBOR in cooperation with 223 member banks that represented 60 nations and included big names such as Bank of America, Barclays Bank, Citibank, Deutsche Bank, HSBC, J.P. Morgan Chase, and others. I just kept chugging my drink because I thought more bank was going to be said. I just, then, I, some of those, I didn't even put bank on the end. I just I know, added bank the, just for you. Well, all right. Well, I'm halfway through this. <laughs> So, LIBOR was determined in what is probably a very stupid manner, where every day they would go to 18 of these banks and would ask the following question. At what rate could you borrow funds were you to do so by asking for and then accepting interbank offers in a reasonable market size just prior to 11 a.m.? They would then throw out the four highest answers to this question and the four lowest answers, then average the rest together, and that is LIBOR for the day. Okay, hold on. So when they're throwing out these answers, uh-huh. and they're like, what's the rate? Are they just like pulling it out of their butt, or d- does it make sense? Remember that the people they are asking are traders and financial analysts, so... <laughs> So they are taking these out every day. So they kind of have a feel of what the market is and well, what they would be able to accept. I'm just wondering, like, how how much are they trying to screw people over? What do you mean? Like, you know, if they're like, oh, 17%, because that's really high. Or if they're, are they being more realistic and they're like, oh, 2.5%. So actually, over the course of LIBOR, all of the answers were pretty close together. There weren't a lot of outliers. Okay. They throw out the outliers just to be sure. So if one person does report something crazy, it doesn't skew the data. Oh, got it. So, no. Supposedly, they're supposed to want to say something competitive to make it an actual representation because it will influence how they can get loans as well. Got it. But they also want to get money from other people. So, there, you know, there's pros and cons. To, right, because they're, to like, cause if you have too high of a percentage, people aren't going to sign on. Yeah. So now, what the hell do they do with all this anyway? Why does it matter? Well, LIBOR is used as a framework that many different deals are built around throughout the entire world as a benchmark interest rate. 
Now, uh, there are two examples that I will give here, so buckle up, because we are about to learn some stuff about swaps and derivative products, and this is going to be like a a fucking financial lecture, so sit back and enjoy the learning. All right, a swap, or in this instance, specifically an interest rate swap, is where one entity agrees with another to swap interest rates on a loan. Uh, A swap is just any... Swap of cash flow, basically, is how it's defined. Uh, The party that took out the loan gets an interest rate when they acquire it. The interest rate is usually set based on LIBOR. So an example of this would, when you get the loan, they'll say your interest rate is LIBOR plus 1.3. So it's variable because LIBOR changes every day. Your interest rate also changes over the course of the loan, but it's always 1.3% higher than that benchmark interest in LIBOR. Now, instead of taking the risk of LIBOR increasing, you can enter an interest rate swap with another entity that says, you know what, we'll pay your interest rate of LIBOR plus 1.3% if you pay us a fixed interest rate over the duration of the loan repayments of 5%. So basically, as long as LIBOR stays at or under 3.7%, the entity that you're paying the 5% to profits because they're paying less than 5% on the loan and you're paying exactly 5 But if LIBOR goes up and interest rates skyrocket higher, now it's basically like uh, like when we talked about puts and a put option. It's mm-hmm. like an insurance on it so that if the rate goes up, you don't have to pay oh. it. They end up paying it and you only have to pay them 5%. So gotcha, they at least gotcha. get 5%. The party with the loan gets protection against their interest rate going up exponentially, and the counterparty profits if the variable rate goes down or rises slowly to at or above 5%. Because over the years, it's like year one, they make profit. Year two, they make profit. Year three, they make profit. And then they lose on four and five. It can happen where it's profitable for both parties involved. So this is also an example of a derivative, which is any trade transaction that derives its value from an underlying asset, an underlying thing. So in this instance, it's an interest rate. Uh, It's just a general term for any contract that's prices directly tied to an underlying asset, i.e. LIBOR. So any derivative contract is something that... So Nina, I'm going to open it up to you now that you've chugged three-fourths of a high noon. You got any questions based on all that stuff I just said? No, because I don't really understand. (laughs) You're like, I don't even know where to start. Oh, no. I don't even know where to start. I just want to know who comes up with this stuff. Like, who's smart enough to figure this out? People smarter than you and I, Nina. People who have master's and finance degrees and who have worked in banking for 20 years. Sounds terrible. Those people. That's everything. The world is nothing but a bunch of experts on things that you're not an expert on. You know what's bullshit is that God one day, if you believe in God, was bored. And then now I have to like listen to this stuff that I don't understand. It was like, boom, life, creation. And then now I have a fixed rate mortgage. Oh, Nina, you don't own a home. We're millennials. Neither of us are going to own a home for a long time. But I got my own apartment. That you don't. Oh, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) You're renting just like the rest of us. So now that was a lot. All right. And this whole episode is going to be a lot. Not going to lie. But basically what this means is that if a bank enters into a lot of credit swaps where they are paying the variable interest rate, they would benefit heavily if they could ensure that LIBOR remains low. So LIBOR doesn't just affect 
commercial deals like like swaps though for businesses it also affects private deals with just normal everyday people in the form of mortgages because mortgages are usually set with an interest rate that is based on LIBOR, including many variable interest rate mortgages that were given out during the subprime mortgage bubble of the early 2000s, like what we talked about in the Lehman Brothers episode. So those are also based on LIBOR, just like these credit swaps. So basically, there was a bunch of money tied up into transactions that derived their interest rates from LIBOR, which was created by just asking banks the interest rates that they would charge each other when they asked for a loan. Now, Financial swap deals were $350 trillion and loans valued at $10 trillion were based on LIBOR in 2012 as an underlying interest rate. So that's $360 trillion worth of money in the international market had an interest rate paid on it based on LIBOR. That's crazy. So it influences a lot of money in the international banking community. It does. So if rates were low... Oh, shoot. You said bank like three times. Nice. If LIBOR was low, general belief in the economy at the time was high. And the opposite is true as well. If LIBOR was high, it showed the banks didn't believe that they would get their money back from each other, which shows general disbelief in mm-hmm. the market at the time in the economy of the world. But what if all the banks... Gotcha. Just called each other up and wanted to purposely raise or lower LIBOR for their own interest, surely there would be some protection against that, right? Fuck no. <laughs> um, I just, was this not intended to work incorrectly? Like, No, this is just, this is like the first time they came up with this, like in the 70s, and it just kind of worked for like 40 years until, until someone... people were shitty? Yeah, until someone looked at it and was like, oh, that's dumb and easily manipulated. <laughs> Ah, see, I thought this was created just to screw people over. No, I feel, I mean, maybe, maybe, but I don't think so at the beginning. I think they really wanted a benchmark. And then just like as time went on, people realized how they could break something. And so they did, because that's what people do. We find ways to break rules and manipulate things for our own gain. It's what we've always done. And it's probably what we always will do. No, it's true. So this is just another example of that. Uh, So let's get to the bad stuff. That all was bad. That It was bad for our brains. But now, with all that basal knowledge, we now get to understand how a bunch of rich douchebags used it to manipulate things. So, on April 16th, 2008, in the midst of the credit crunch and the recession in America, the Wall Street Journal released an article that suggested that some banks might have misreported a borrowing cost lower than that they were actually paying to LIBOR, thereby lowering it artificially to save face and make themselves look better. So they were getting rates at a higher rate than what they reported when they were asked. Like, so what are what would you pay if you got a loan? They would say like, I don't know. Two percent. Yeah, two percent. But they were actually getting rates at like three, three point five. To make them look like they were doing better because they knew that people didn't want to lend to them because they were kind of sketchy. They were on the rocks. Oh. But they wanted to make themselves seem stronger because if you know people don't believe in your bank, there's a run of the banks, everyone takes their money off, bam, you're collapsed now. So in the UK, they also did this to keep the government from regulating them harder. If LIBOR rose, it would show distrust in the economy. And the British Uncle Sam equivalent, which I'm assuming is probably something like Grandmom Gertrude, uh, 
would step in to save them from collapse. So they didn't want the government stepping in and Dude. interfering with their business. So they made themselves seem like the banks weren't actually doing that bad. So that 2008 Wall Street Journal article was then followed by a study finished in 2010 by economists that supported the claims made in that article by the Wall Street Journal. But instead of saving face during the crisis, the economists stated that the real reason the banks understated LIBOR was to make a bunch of money. Jerks. So many of the banks involved in the LIBOR reporting had many interest rate swaps that they were paying for, and they would make hundreds of millions of dollars if interest rates would fall by just 0.25% in one quarter of business. So if they could ensure that the interest rates would fall by 0.25%, they would make like $968 million, like was an example of one bank in one quarter. That's so much money. So if you can control LIBOR to get it down one-fourth of a percent in that time, that's how much money you'd make. Damn. As a bank. So they would underreport their rates to LIBOR to lower the overall rates on the credit swaps that they had entered into. Uh, now, this is obviously stupid. One thing we have learned here from this podcast is that you never let an entity self-regulate itself. Nope. That ruined Enron with no regulation on energy prices. It ruined DuPont with no regulation on chemical safety protocols, and it's doing the same here. Without third-party regulation, companies will always work in their own interests. Yeah. Yeah, no, we've always... We've learned that a lot. And they're doing the same here. After the economists looked at all of their all of the bank's spending and how they were reporting and like how they were actually getting loans and what rates they were getting at and what they were reporting, they showed that they were significantly lowering their inputs when asked for LIBOR. Now, the Wall Street Journal article and study then prompted multiple federal investigations into the matter by the American, Canadian, and British governments in 2011 and uncovered something even more sinister. It turns out the banks not only were working in their own interest, This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer but were in communication with other banks in order to raise or lower LIBOR at their whims to profit substantially, also known as collusion. Later, they pulled phone and communication records from bankers where they talked openly about wanting the LIBOR rates to be lower or higher. So they pulled like... like They pulled other emails and their like phone conversations. Mm-hmm. And they, were literally, they would literally say stuff like, man, if like we need to get interest rates lower buy this time because we're losing a lot of money on our credit swaps. Mm -hmm. And then the other person would be like, where do you want it? And they would just tell them a percent and then they would report that percent. What the fuck? So all these banks were in communication with each other and they were kind of like, you know, quid pro quo. You scratch my back. I scratch yours. We lower it this day. We profit from uh, these credit swaps on this day that are ending Mm -hmm. and then we'll do it for you later. It's all sketchy. Yeah. And like all of the biggest Banks were, were in this. Barclays, J.P. Morgan was definitely doing it. Um, HSBC, which is also the whole bank we talked about with mm-hmm. their cartel involvement in our whole episode on them. Go listen to it. It was great. So them colluding, this pissed people off for 
a few different reasons when the scope of how they were manipulating this came out. So firstly, they were colluding to keep interest rates high on mortgages that the banks had given out. LIBOR was significantly higher on the first of the month every month Mm. because this is when variable interest rate mortgages are reassessed. So if LIBOR is higher that day, they still get to charge higher rates on the mortgage. So it's like renting if you try to like find your uh, apartment by like around the first of the month. It's going to be more expensive than if you try to move towards the end of the month because people are just trying to get rid of the apartment by the end of the month. Yeah. And I mean, that might be like, that's what the market demands, but this is like, they specifically, like all the banks got together and were like, we all have mortgages that we sell. So why don't we all just report higher on the first of the month? And we're like, sure. So they reported higher. And then when all the people go in to reassess the loans and to give them the, the next rate for the next three months, usually they reassess every three months. They would go in on that month on the first and be like, oh, yeah, LIBOR is 5% today. And your interest rate on the mortgage that the bank wants to give you is LIBOR plus 3%. Mm-hmm. So now they, for the next three months, your variable interest rate is now at 8 And it, falsely, because they reported higher, like let's say that the actual interest rate banks are getting from each other are 3 and they reported 5 Ah. Uh. <laughs> I see you're in thralls. I just <laughs> am trying my best. <laughs> Oh, no, you said bank, didn't you? I probably. I'm saying it every, like, 10 seconds. Uh, So this also fucked over many American cities, as during the financial crisis, they sold many bonds to recover funds, municipal bonds. They needed money. And on these bonds, they entered into quite a few interest rate swaps with the banks. Uh, So it is estimated that the LIBOR manipulation cost American municipalities $6 billion on their interest rates. Oh. In total. A lot. So we just like gave $6 billion to the bank, to the banks because they were manipulating LIBOR. Because of this, the city of Baltimore led the litigation front with many other U.S. cities uh, to sue the banks involved in the LIBOR manipulation. So the Baltimore was the biggest one, though. I do not like the city of Baltimore. Why? It's dirty. It's kind of low-key scary. Are you talking about Chicago or are you talking about Baltimore? Baltimore. Are you talking about New York? You talking about Baltimore? Talking about Baltimore. Talking about L.A. You talking about Baltimore? Talking about Baltimore. Man, we're, it's just like every urban place can be described like that. So I don't know. There's also nothing to do. <laughs> There's nothing. You can go see uh, an Orioles game. Is see the baseball? Ravens. Yeah, that's that's baseball. And the Ravens are football. Football. Baltimore. I knew that one. You could go. There's probably an Edgar Allan Poe Museum there. Oh, is he from Baltimore? Yeah. Uh, so that's something. Um, you can go to an. I think they used to. They may still have an aquarium. You know it probably. They also have a, a lake. A lake? Isn't on the? Isn't Baltimore like on the ocean? I don't know. There's a bay. I don't know. Oh I mean, yeah, maybe it's, it's the like, ocean. I think it's the Atlantic Ocean. I don't fucking know. Not a but lake. Night. I saw boats. <laughs> When I was there in the eighth grade. (laughs) I saw boats when I was there. Yeah, I did. That was one of my Baltimore experiences. The other Baltimore experience I had, I can't say on the podcast. Wow, great. Thanks, Nina. But (laughs) my ex-boyfriend made me cry at a bar. That happened, too. Fun. Well, Baltimore also lost $6 billion. So so, they had some bad stuff happen to them, too, Nina. Yeah. So the city of Baltimore, go there if you want to be sad. 
They lost six billion dollars, and it's disappointing. You should write. You should write like those Share those travel reviews. commercials. I should. I should. Baltimore, make, come here if you want to be sad. I should uh, make TikTok videos on like <laughs> sad reviews of cities. Anyways, sorry. Uh, a little bit drunk because I've been chugging this. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Uh, ah, now I got to do it three times. So, uh, you're probably after I told you all this. Oh, my God. So I know that all of you right now are foaming at the mouth, thinking of all the juicy crimes that these banks could be charged with, a litany of frauds from security to wire. You probably do think of that because you're still listening to this podcast, so you must find this at least a little bit interesting. But our longtime listeners will know that when it comes to banks, things hardly ever work out the way we want. No commercial bank was ever charged with a criminal offense for their actions in manipulating LIBOR. However, many of them were hit with large fines from uh, governmental financial oversight institutions across the globe. The U.K. and U.S. levied $9 billion worth of fines on the banks involved, but pursued no criminal charges against them because, once again, they're too big to fail. So we've already talked about this, and uh, another... Poignant quote when I came that came out of the research for this was someone who said, uh, "Banks that are too big to fail oh, are too big to exist." But so, that's how they all are, though. That's the thing; these these banks are too big, and if they're too big to fail, they shouldn't be able to be around. Because if we can't impose regulations on them, then it's just the wild west. They can do whatever the fuck they want. I mean, they can. That's the whole problem. Yeah. So. We have a monopoly. Something's got to change. After the next revolution, whenever that happens, um, and someone like carts Jeff Bezos' house, and ha- Jeff Bezos out of his house and like beheads him, like with a guillotine. Do you hear the people <laughs> sing, singing the songs of angry men? We're gonna have to like the- change all this because it's this obviously not working. Mu- music of music. the people who will not be slaves again. When the beating of your heart Next, echoes the beating please. of the drum. Please, you're not even, you're not the right gender to play with it. We're not doing that at this theater. Okay, I'm sorry. I just want you to know that at my high school, when we did Les Mis, the entire mob was women. Yeah, because there's only, I, I was also in a high school theater department, Nina. I know there's no men in it. That's how I kept getting roles. <laughs> All right? Yeah. Please. So they didn't uh, aim any criminal charges at the banks. They did, however, aim criminal charges to many of the traders elicited in the manipulations, and 13 traders have been charged by the UK's Serious Fraud Office. Is that what it's called? That's, serious that's Fraud actually Office? actually what it's called, is the Serious Fraud Office. I love that. Go to the Serious Fraud Office. <laughs> With four of the 13 being found guilty and another pleading guilty. That's not a good percentage. Yeah, it's five out of 13 uh the heaviest sentence handed out was to that of tom hayes a previous trader for citigroup who was sentenced to 14 years in prison who pleaded not guilty saying that his managers were aware of his actions and condoned them and that he didn't know what he was doing was wrong because of this lies partly because he does have a mild form of asperger's which he was demeaningly nicknamed Rain Man for by a bunch no. of his other traders. So all the other traders called him he Rain really Man. He has Asperger's. He has a mild form of autism. And, oh no! Anyway, fourteen years. And he years. went to jail for fourteen years. Hey, it was it was reduced to eleven after appeals. Thank you very much. He's the only one that got in that big of trouble. Honestly, that's shitty. It's it's because he immediately confessed to it. 
So when they got him, yeah, because he has Asperger's, and, and then he died, and then he went back and pled not guilty. So no, he, he so he admitted that. to it, and then pled not guilty, saying like, "No, I did it, but I didn't know what I was doing was wrong because everyone was everyone does it. Everyone was like, "Yeah, good job, keep doing it, man." But I mean, someone's got to go to prison for it. So so make the guy with Asperger's good. I guess so. Hey, and four other people don't know if they had Asperger's or not. There was no they probably uh, did. <laughs> They're like, oh, let's all gang together and get them in jail. Uh, and then, of course, many CEOs and other executives did step down from their positions in the wake of this controversy. And also because of this, I mean, this was insane, especially in the UK. This all happened in 2012. So we were kind of young to be following financial news. Um, oh, yeah. I would not have been following this when I was 19. But it was pretty big. Uh, even then, though, they thought it was boring because I saw I watched multiple news broadcasts explaining the whole ordeal and they would start with like, yeah, so this sounds boring, but it's very important. Kind of what we did at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> um, but because of this, a bunch of governments decided, hey, maybe LIBOR is a fucking stupid idea. And because governments finally grew wise on this, uh, LIBOR is no longer created by the London Bankers Association and is instead set by a regulated entity in the United States, Intercontinental Exchange, also known as ICE LIBOR now, because it's the Intercontinental Exchange Wait, London so how Interbank do they, offering rate. Uh, how do they figure this out, though? Here? So this is yeah, still... Yeah, like, how are they getting these rates? Uh, they act, They actually look at transactions done between banks. And they ask them for the interest rate, and then they make, like, instead of just 18 banks, so it's, it's small and it's easy to manipulate, they use actual trades going on in, like, the, the Treasury Department or something. So there's, like, 1,500 trades a day that they can base the rates on. Hmm. So there's a larger sample size, and you can't really manipulate it. Okay. And you also, it's not just someone answering a question, so they could just lie. Ugh. It's off, like, I don't know, actual data. I can't believe they did this for... Th- 30 years. How can you trust the data, though? Drain the swamp. Oh, my God. Green State Limor. Take off that MAGA hat. Uh, <laughs> no. Nina's not Republican. I'm not a Republican. We keep making that joke. She's not Republican. It's, no. I grew up Republican. Actually, actually, never mind. I'm not going to say that. Cool. Today is, the, today is the day of things Nina can't say on air. <laughs> Today's the day I actually get drunk and censor myself i know it's like you're drunk and now you say less about things you're not supposed to say maybe i should drink every episode i'm extremely surprised you're just an alcoholic now (laughs) just like oh god i need to drink to podcast you don't understand you don't understand i have to it keeps me in line um so LIBOR is also set to be phased out completely by the end of 2021. Oh, interesting. So by the end of this year. And many efforts have now gone into creating possible indices that replace LIBOR and are set by actual transactions and not just asking the banks. So there's been there they like created a panel in America that looked at a bunch of underlying uh, indexes to or underlying interest rates to base interest rates off of that's more correct with what like the world economy is doing than LIBOR was previously. So they're doing it, and America did already recommend one that we're going to start using. So, do you know what it's called? Uh, no, but it's basically the same thing, but it's based in America. That's kind of, and they don't just ask people; it's based on actual like transactions. Eh, They use a computer. Hey, Kashan, remember when computers were the size of an entire room? No, (laughs) I wasn't alive, Dinah. 
Do you? No. Are you are you going to come out right now as like a witch or a vampire or some shit? Have you been around since the 1920s when computers took out took up a whole room? Yeah. You worked for IBM and then somehow forgot everything you knew about it because you don't know anything about Maybe it now. Maybe I'm just pretending. You're a really fucking good actress. Then. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Give me the Oscar, bitch. I'd like to thank my family. We're going to conclude this. Okay, sorry. So, that was a lot. This scandal doesn't have some of the glitz and glamour of other ones we've covered here on White Collars, Red Hands. But somehow, this is maybe the most important. It stretched the scope of not only one bank or business, but to the largest banks in the world. Mm. Once again, we show that businesses, especially banks, put their profits above honesty. It shows that regulation is necessary and that a truly free market does not exist. Greed is always there, waiting to corrupt. So these banks, like your milk-drinking friends from the example in the intro, lost sight of reasonable boundaries and indulged heavily, leaving them bloated and ultimately hated by a wide percentage of society. So the next time you walk into your local branch of whatever bank you choose, feel free to remember how they were involved in the LIBOR manipulation and call the branch manager a little utter boy. Hey. Thank you. Hey, I see you're drinking 1% milk. Is that that because you think you're fat? Because you're you're not. not. You could could totally drink whole whole milk if you wanted. Oh, my God. Good reference, Nina. Thanks. Good reference. Actually, that's two Napoleon Dynamite references two weeks in a row. What was last week's? I love technology, but not as much as you use. That's right. Because yeah. you had to explain that one to me. I did. So I did. And it's not like I haven't seen that movie. I've seen it multiple times. It's a good one. Just not a reference I hear all the time. Yep. Um, so Thanks so much for listening today, guys, to this uh, densely packed episode of White Collars Red Hands. I hope today, even if we, you know, it's a little bit harder to follow because of just because you're playing a drinking game with me, and that uh, I hope you still learn something, or at least learned to hate banks a little bit more. I will say this is probably one of the most wide-reaching episodes we've ever had in terms of the scope of the definitely crime. And although it affected America disproportionately, it didn't happen in America. It was in another country, which is kind of cool. Whoa, another country fucking America for once? We deserve it a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. We got bent over the table and spanked. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) Just, it's not even that you said it. It's more just like the way you said it. (laughs) Like you're trying to seduce the London Bankers Association. (laughs) If you like... (laughs) Today's episode, a free way to support what we're doing here is to go onto iTunes and leave us a review. Yeah. Uh, you can go on there, leave a five-star review. That'd be awesome. We'd love or that. Or an honest review. Or an honest review. <laughs> like Tell, the mushroom fairy tree woman. You, you never get it. It's like so. ladybug stick mushroom. I <laughs> There's a mushroom and a lady, and I don't remember, but it was hilarious. Yeah, leave that and at least make us laugh. If you're going to be mean, at least make us laugh. Yeah, you know? no, that was pretty funny. Honestly, I'm not even mad at that, Honestly, at that review. Honestly, you want to hear it. something sad? I'm pretty sure that was our most liked post on Instagram. Really? Yeah. I think I'm going to frame it and put it up in my house, and that's I don't think that's a lie. 
Honestly, I want a picture of it and to put it on my refrigerator. That would be great. Practicing their profanity. Juvenile host practicing their profanity. Thank you, lady stick bug mushroom or whatever the fuck. I will remember that for the rest of my life. Now, if you want a less free way to support the show, though, you can go ahead and... Uh, Venmo to, Nina. No, you, you know, Venmo Nina, Nina uh, or go subscribe to her OnlyFans, whichever one. Um, <laughs> don't put that out there. I don't have one yet. But honestly, you can go to... Yet. <laughs> honestly, you can go to tpublic.com, buy our merch. Uh, we both got a couple of shirts. Uh, they're Really good quality. I actually mm-hmm. love them. I wear it all the time. It's really soft. The hoodie is so soft. Actually, my friend was helping me pack when I moved, and she picked. Up. She's like, "Oh my god, you have a podcast hoodie!" And I was like, "Yeah, if you actually listen to the podcast, you'd know." And then she touched it. And she's like, "This is so soft." And I was like, "I know you should buy one." No, it's awesome. And they're actually sending over uh, for free a notebook that's going to come in. So I'll post Aww. that about it. We'll take all of our notes for our show in it. So it's really practical, real cool. Uh, helps us and. It's pretty swaggy. I like. I love our logo too. So it's just cool having yeah, stuff cool. with it on it. Um, you can also support us for free though by just going and liking our socials: uh, facebook.com slash white collars red hands, Twitter at white collars pod, our Instagram at white collars underscore red hands. Uh, you can go directly to our website uh, and send us a message through there, or listen directly at white collars red hands dot com, or you can send us a message either uh, a DM on uh, IG, a DM on IG, as the kids would say. Or you can send yeah. us an email directly to whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com. Sheesh. Oh, no. That's actually what the kids say, and I still don't know. Sheesh. Yeah, that shit's bussin'. Um, <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm going to take another drink. So you can communicate with us through there. Recommend an episode. We love a fan-submitted mm-hmm. episode, so go ahead and submit those. We Honestly, always try I think throw fan- one or two. I think fan-submitted episodes are my favorite episodes. They're very fun. I love they're, it. They're fun because... People care. Yeah, we love knowing that we're interacting with someone, too. Yeah. Just cool for us. Um, so I think that's all I have for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week, and we'll see you then on another episode of White Collars Red, Red Hands. Hands.